Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Welcome to Artists of New England with your host, Laura Casanari-King. Today, I'm delighted to have with me the owner of the series gallery in Portsmouth, Elaine Miller. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of me, Laura. Yes, of course. We couldn't do the show without you. You've brought so many great things to Portsmouth for emerging artists such as myself. So we will get into that down the road. But um, I think it's always great to hear about everybody's background um, with art in particular. But first of all, from um, New England standpoint, were you born here? Did you move here? What's your... Yeah. I was born here, yes. born and raised in Manchester, oh, okay. native New Hampshire person. Okay. We are rare because we've yeah. imported people from all yes. over the United States and other countries. Sure. And uh, for generations, we've mm-hmm. been in Manchester. My grandparents were the first Greeks to come over on oh. the boat from Greece wow. back in the 1800s, the wow. end of the 1800s. And uh, they settled in Manchester, and Mm. then they started the Greek community, which was a big, flourishing, blooming (laughs) community, my big, fat Greek wedding type of a community. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. That sounds (laughs) amazing. And so now you're towards the seacoast, living closer to the seacoast. Okay. And uh, so how did you get started as an artist, even from maybe childhood? Well, from childhood, I always loved to color and draw as a child, and my mother encouraged me quite a bit. My father did, too, and I have two older sisters. And uh, when we were in first grade, I had this teacher who said, we are going to have this project. And we were sitting in rows of maybe six or so, six rows, 36 children, one teacher. And she (laughs) said, we are all going to do a poinsettia. And we are going to use three colors. We're going to use red, we're going to use green, and we're going to use yellow. I want you to bring those three crayons in tomorrow because those are going to go up on the wall and they're going to be there for the family night open house and they're going to stay up until after Christmas. I thought, oh boy. So I was very excited we were going to do a special project. And my dad had the corner store when I went home. I went to the corner store and I said, Dad, we're going to do a special project. I'm so Uh excited. We only need three colors. And um, he was very excited, too. So what he did was he said, I'm going to get you a new crayon box. (laughs) So you have, you know, really good crayons that have never been used before. Great. So he came home with the new Crayola crayon box that had the four little sections in it with 64 crayons in it. And. Wow, it was just beautiful. So my two older sisters were looking at it, and they knew I needed to bring in three. And they said, this is a beautiful crayon box because all the yellows are grouped together, and all the greens are grouped together, and all the reds are grouped together. So you could choose out of any of these. Uh So I chose my favorite colors. I chose magenta, (laughs) and I chose uh, barrel green, Uh and I chose amber yellow. 
I had my whole box. This is a me. very vivid memory. <laughs> I listened to what she said. This is going somewhere. I brought all of the the whole box in, but I knew I was going to use those three because I tested all the colors out. Those are my three favorite ones, and they, my sisters confirmed they were the red, the right ones, and yellow, and, the and greens. So, got into first grade the next morning, and the teacher came out with her mimeograph sheets of uh -huh. you know poinsettias, and she she colored. We all had to sit there and watch her color. And then we had to take our crayons and color, and she said, stay inside the lines. This is going to be for for the parents to see, and decorations for the month until Christmas. So I did my very best coloring. I put the red where she had the red, and the green where she had the green, and the yellow where she had the yellow. And I could see her coming up the, the aisle and looking on both sides and saying, okay, and taking the person's poinsettia and hanging it up on the wall above the chalkboard, and the next person and hanging it up. And some of those people didn't stay in lines. They just kind of scribbled here and scribbled there mm -hmm. with the different colors. And they didn't even get to where the spot was. And mine was inside the lines, <laughs> not going out anywhere. And I loved it. And she got to mine and she said, Elaine, what did you do? Those aren't the right colors. You'll never be an artist. I can't put that up on the wall. Oh, how I was crushed. You'll never be an artist. So I never forgot that. Of course. I was never, and I loved art and I was tearful because I had to put so, mine in my notebook and go home with it. Oh and then I had to spend the next month of little kids going, where's yours, Elaine? That one's mine. And there's yeah. hers. And so for the whole month, mine was not out oh, there. Devastating. But when I went home, you know, my, I always stopped at the corner store that my, my father owned and I, he knew I wasn't happy, and I told him what happened because he knew how excited I was. And he said, oh, no, let me see what you did. And he said, this is perfect. I'm going to hang it up here in the store behind the soda fountain, mm -hmm. and more people will see it here mm -hmm. than would ever see it in your classroom. Mm -hmm. But it still wasn't enough because the teacher didn't like it. She said I would never be an artist. So that was it. So how long from that moment till you pick something up again? Until about five years ago. Well, Maybe it was, yeah, maybe uh, six years ago because I got sick. Okay. And all along I had wanted to take art classes, but people had said, no, you have to be born with it. You have to be born with it. So in my mind, I was already told I wasn't. Yeah. I was never going to be an artist. I did it all wrong. Yeah, many and people so have that. I thought I had to be born with it. And I had an illness, went to the hospital and went to the wellness class where you could take art. Okay. And I was thrilled that I could take art. Okay. And I learned all the different mediums to paint with. And I really loved oils, but every time we went in for our class, she'd say, what would you like to do today, class? And I'd raise my hands, can we do a boat? And we all had to vote on it. Nobody wanted to do a boat. So we did cats and we <laughs> did flowers and we did seashells and other wonderful things. We never did get to do a boat. Mm -hmm. So the um, instructor said, oh, you're going to have to go see the boat man. He's down <laughs> the hall. You have to go see Todd Benita. I'm sorry we didn't get to do a boat, but maybe he can help you. So I marched down to the end of the hall and saw Todd Benita's boats, and I was astounded. Sure. And just said wonderful, gushing things like, I want to get in that boat and row away. It's so realistic, and the water is perfect, and I see rocks on the bottom, the perfect stemming. The skipping stone is right on the top. I want to take that and skim. It's good for five skips. <laughs> and Todd Benita came over to me and said, oh, my gosh, are you an artist? Uh. And I laughed, and I said, no. <laughs> What would you ever say that for? He said, because you can see like an artist. Those mm. things you're saying about the paintings yeah. are things the artist could see. Yeah. 
And I said, wow, that's really nice. No, I'm not a nurse. He said, well, I can teach you how to do this. Ah, and I said, no, you can't. You were hooked. He said, I can teach you. Uh -huh. No, you can't because <laughs> I wasn't born with it. So you can't teach me. And he said, I can teach you how to do this. And he was so good. He convinced me to take his class and the rest yeah. is history. Yes, because, and obviously he oh has taught you. You have some lovely, beautiful, beautiful Thank you. Yourself. I got bit by the bug. Yeah, yeah. So um, so since then, you've been taking um, other workshops yes. So um, with other um, very talented artists and teachers. Can you give us a little information about what sort of things you look for? So I guess you have a good background. So... In all the classes you've done, what are the great things that inspire you by a teacher? What are some things that are maybe frustrating so that some of our teachers out there can hone their skills a little better for well, not, us professional workshoppers? I know, and, it, and it's difficult. Now, I'm really discerning about who I'm taking workshops with uh -huh. because I was spoiled by Todd Benita, who is a great yes. communicator. Yeah. He's such a great communicator. He can tell you exactly what he's doing when he's doing it, yeah. while he's doing a demo. While he's doing, yeah, yeah. And then he can go to different people in the class and tell them exactly what they need to do to make their painting better and moves them up to the next level right. of experience. And he can do that so quickly mm -hmm. with a group of 12 students in the class. Mm -hmm. He doesn't miss a beat mm -hmm. on helping move that student to the next level. Right. There are other artists since then that I've taken classes with that have no idea how to teach. Mm -hmm. They know how to paint and they're fabulous painters and sure. you love their work, but they can't communicate how they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. And they can't move you to the next level. Mm. So it's it's really hard to figure out. So I'm I'm really taking classes with people who really can communicate. Yeah. That's first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A fine artist who can communicate, not just a fine artist that, wow, I love their work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really important. I know um, for myself as well. I, I also mm -hmm. started with Todd. So that bar was pretty high. It's really high. <laughs> when I went to someone else, I was like, oh, wait, how yeah. come they don't all teach like Todd? That's it. That's and, it. Uh, when, when you're in a, a class with another artist and all they can say is, well, that's great. Keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. And you need instruction on mm -hmm. how to move to the next level. Right. And also at a level that um, that you can understand as, mm -hmm. you know, an emerging artist with maybe not all the correct vocabulary, you know, the teacher has to also be able to communicate at the level that you're at. And, and yeah, I agree, Todd. Mm -hmm has such a gift there. When I took his class, <laughs> I didn't even know if blue and yellow made green. I wasn't quite <laughs> sure. That's how that's how I emerging was exactly. I was. And I was in this class that he convinced me I should take and it was the layering beginning layering and glazing class. Yes. yes. And I got into this class and sat down. It's a beginner's class. He insisted it's a beginner's class. I would be fine. <laughs> Trust him, he said. Okay. So I sit down and the lady next to me takes out beautiful portraits and the other lady I'm <laughs> yeah. talking to uh, says she's got a degree from RISD yeah. and another degree master's from yeah. someplace in Pennsylvania that everybody knows about. And when everybody's introducing themselves, these are well experienced people. And yeah. the little Japanese lady that I was talking to said, 
and my two watercolors are touring the country with so-and-so. Uh, I'm like, oh, everyone went, oh, so-and-so. And I'm like, who's so-and-so? I have no clue. They're name dropping because they're impressing each other and I have no clue. So it's really a beginner. Yeah, but yeah. Todd could take me through to the next level mm -hmm. with that beginner layering glazing class mm -hmm. and take all of these very experienced yeah, yeah. artists with multiple degrees in fine art and instructors who had been teaching art for mm -hmm. 30 years mm -hmm. to the next level and take me to the next level. And yeah. that's really yeah. amazing to find in an art instructor. Right, right. I agree. So um, what artists living and dead have inspired um, your own artwork? Well, I, I have many different styles that I'm working on right now, but I do love Andrew Wyatt. I, mm. I love his work, mm -hmm. and I, I love uh, George Ennis's work, mm. and yeah. I'm really turned on to Turner now, mm -hmm. um, but I also see there are two different types. I love the realism, yeah. but I love the moody atmosphere, and I'm playing between the two now to find out what my style is now. Nice, nice. Yeah, so it is amazing to me. Um, I think I started about a year after you, and I, I just now feel like I'm beginning to find my own style mm -hmm. and um, the the common thread with um, interviewing emerging artists as as we are is that everybody says at some point you have to put aside all the knowledge you know from every instructor you know mm -hmm. who is it that said every instructor you've ever studied with is in the room when you're painting <laughs> you yes. finally tell them all to be quiet and become yourself yeah yeah one by one, they walk out of the room. Mm -hmm. You know, all of your instructors, one by one, and yeah. all of the ones you've read about, and yeah. studied online, yeah. whatever. And I kept hearing leave. people say that, but for me, it just wasn't happening until last year. It's, and then mm -hmm. now I understand what they mean. But until then, I was like, <laughs> "What are you talking about?" Yeah. So, um, so are you a full or part-time artist right now? What would you consider yourself? I guess I would consider myself a part-time artist. Mm -hmm. I don't get to paint as often as I would love to paint. Yeah. When I first started, I didn't yeah. want to stop to eat or drink or right. go to sleep. I wanted to just paint, paint, paint from the time I got up in the morning to the time I went to bed and I would forget to eat. Yeah. But there's so much that I have going on in my life right mm -hmm. now that I don't get to just do that all yeah. day long, yeah. which I would love to be able to do yeah, again. And, and so talk about that a bit because I know um, part of, you know, the struggles of us emerging artists are that we have either a part or full-time job or we're helping to raise grandchildren or in my instance helping to you know take care of an elderly parent and all that balance it just uh, what, what would you find is your hardest thing to balance in all of that well family's always first yeah so when the grandchildren are homesick i'm the one that's going to go yeah. and be the caretaker right. so they're the priority mm. for forever they will be mm. and um, painting used to be the priority mm. <laughs> when I first started but then the house got very messy <laughs> yes <laughs> the house got very messy and then the laundry had to be done and then there was no food in the refrigerator that I wasn't eating and then there was food in the refrigerator that turned moldy because I wasn't eating yeah. and so uh, life gets in the way yeah. and you have to prioritize and what I've started to do now is just choose certain people that I want to study with mm -hmm. 
and then also to certain locations for plein air painting yeah. and with our pop-up seacoast painters yeah. group on facebook you know if a place looks interesting i will go and be there with them but there are certain workshops away that i like to take where you're immersed for a week the Bermuda workshop with Todd and me, it was really fun to be at. But we were doing it all day long and talked about it at night. Yeah. And the same with Monhegan. Yeah. And um, through the series gallery, I started uh, the worldwide workshops. Mm. And Yeah, so since you brought that up, go ahead and tell us about the uh, gallery and how that came about. How the gallery came about. Yeah, and, and how it's going since you started it. So 18 months after I took a class with Todd Benita and started painting, I got into the New Hampshire Art Association on the first chance, the first try. And I had been told it's gonna to take two or three times, maybe more to get in. Mm -hmm. So I was just applying to get the experience of applying, finding out what they want, sure. so that maybe down the road when I reapply and reapply and reapply, I'll eventually get in. <laughs> and I got in on the first try, so I was shocked, yeah. but they needed also some help there. They, When you're in that, Art Association, they would like you to sit, yeah. gallery sit, and um, just help learn the ropes. So I got in there and I thought, I'll gallery sit as much as I can. And I would be there three or four times a week and I really learned the gallery. Oh, yeah. um, but I had also helped with Todd's galleries. Mm -hmm. He has one in Perkins Cove and mm -hmm. one on Surrey Street. I helped him start both of those and I worked in those as well. And from those three places, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on how to run a gallery. In my mind, I thought, I just love sitting in the gallery. Yeah, I'm inspired <laughs> to be here. Right. And I uh, thought, well, maybe someday I would love to have my own gallery. But <laughs> and, never thought this would happen. And then? <laughs> and then I was driving by Siri Street to um, deliver something to Todd's, maybe. And this space had a for rent sign in the window and it screeched to a halt. <laughs> called the number and the person who also manages Todd's gallery met me so we knew each other I'm like oh my gosh he let me in he didn't know I was seriously interested in the space he thought I just wanted to see it yeah so my mind started clicking because the New Hampshire Art Association gave me all of this information I looked around with the eyes of an art gallery owner and thought I can do this I need to get some people to come in on this with me and so overnight, literally overnight, <laughs> within two weeks of me walking in the door for the first time, we had a sign out front, we had art all over the walls, everything was newly painted, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. In two weeks, all of the legal papers were in and it seemed like the universe came together to make it happen. The yeah. people um, in all of the government offices, when I told them what I was doing, expedited while I was there, handed me back, this wow. is your license, now go up to the state. The total state, the state expedited, handed me everything I needed so that not a moment was wasted. Yeah. Two weeks after seeing the place and going, wow, this would be great. Wow. We were open for business. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, um, of course, I'm a member here, so I, I do know I was in at the ground floor and it, it was amazing, as you say, how fast <laughs> it, it came together. Um, I barely had time to think through the decision and I obviously made the best decision. <laughs> Um, it's been such a, a pleasure to be here, but so many people come through and say what a unique gallery it is, and that we have so many different styles. It's it's very clean. It's very neat. Our prices are, you know, very 
um, competitive and, and good good mm-hmm. prices. So um, yeah, it's been a real honor for me to be here over the last year and a half. And kudos to you and thank you again so much. So um, tell us a little bit about the subjects right now that you are painting and um, you know when you're painting, what how do you maybe know when you're done and and how do you choose your subjects? A little bit about your process and, and what your so process right is like now. now. I've been painting a lot of plein air paintings. And uh-huh. plein air is outside at the moment. Yeah. You finish it. I can never finish it that quickly. Yeah. I just can't. So I have to bring it home to finish it up in the studio. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's difficult. I have a lot of plein air paintings that are almost finished. They're yeah. not quite finished. I know I need to do a few more things to them, and then they're ready to hang. So I have way too many of those oh, yeah. that are just not ready for hanging in the gallery. Um, the way I choose my my subjects is if it hits me, it's the wow factor. Yeah. You know, if I look at something and it takes my breath away, that's what I want to paint. Primarily landscapes? I love seascapes a lot. Mostly, I love the ocean. So Mm -hmm. that really inspires me quite a bit. So Mm -hmm. any kind of water moving. But landscapes are great, too. Mm -hmm. They they inspire me the least, actually, landscapes. I love uh, people. Mm -hmm. I love animals. Mm -hmm. And animals, when I do the animals, usually it's from a photograph. Okay. And what I love is when you're painting the animal and you get the sparkle in the eye and they're looking at you mm. and you have that connection with the animal. Mm-hmm. And what I love uh, to do is if it's something that I've chosen myself, not an assignment, very few are assigned, but some are commissions. Um, it's hit me. And then when it's on the wall in the gallery and the person comes in the door and it hits them. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It is, yeah. That connection. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing like it, especially um, Oh my gosh. Especially when and then you're when you there. Get the feedback it. on why mm-hmm. it hit them and they that's when I figured I could call myself an artist. Yes, same here. <laughs> when a stranger. Yeah. Because people that I knew and friends were buying my paintings, but as much as I love them, I didn't count them because mm-hmm. they were buying them from me mm-hmm. and I think it's through love mm-hmm. and I thought when someone does not know no, me yeah. comes in and wants <laughs> to part with their money and take this home and put it on their wall I'll be an artist and mm-hmm. that happened really 18 months out and when I got into the art association somebody saw my painting hanging in the art association. So it was under two years of yeah, starting this, my paintings. Um, is this the one I, I think you told this story to me about that particular painting that um, you didn't really want to get rid of it. No. So you priced it very high. That, that one is a different one. <laughs> oh, that's a different yeah, one. Yeah. The first painting that I okay. sold was the one called Amor. Okay. And the people... The man came in and he had to have it. He saw it in January mm-hmm. and he wanted it for his wife in February to give okay. to her. Yeah. So he saw it at the New Hampshire Art Association in January and came back in February and it was off the wall. It was gone. Oh. He was panicking because he wanted to give it to her for Valentine's oh, okay. Day. It's called the Moor. Okay. And it's two people walking towards the Eiffel Tower in winter and they had just been there in December. And you never see the oh. Eiffel Tower in winter. Yeah. And he thought the two people were he and his wife. Right. And so... He was frantic at the Art Association. <laughs> I need to contact Elaine. Well, we don't really give out that information. Well, how about an email? Okay, email. So 
he sent me an email and told me he was interested. And at that point, I was getting this painting ready to go to the Marblehead Art Association okay. to hang on the walls. And so he sent me an email that he was very interested in seeing the painting again. And I said, oh, well, that's great. You can look at it at the Marblehead Art Association. It'll be there next weekend. He wrote back and said, no, I need to see it now. I'm like, <laughs> In I, my hands I, now. <laughs> I, I have people coming for the weekend to my house. This is a Friday. I said, I have company coming. I can't really meet you right now. He said, well... How about if I come to you wow. in Portsmouth? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not in Portsmouth. So we met at a little coffee shop. I said, I can only give you one hour because I've got to go cook. I will you know, meet you. And I, he was there early. He had breakfast already finished. And he mm. came in um, early waiting for me and recognized me coming in the door with this big box and said, you must be Elaine. I said, yes. <laughs> and I opened it up and I, he just looked at it and I, he waited and I said, well, you said you wanted to get a look again at it and here it is, but I've got to go take care of company. So, you know, I have to pack it up and go. He said, no, that's it. This is the one. This is what I want. And it was wonderful. He said such wonderful things about mm -hmm. it. I felt like this is, I'm an artist now. Mm -hmm. and and he, was that a layers and glazing process that came in? It was. Yeah, okay. It was. It was. But I didn't use it in the class. It was one that I had mm -hmm. done on my own. Mm -hmm. And I brought it in at one point and showed Todd. He said, where have you been keeping it? That's a winner. <laughs> I said, don't touch it. Leave it as it is. Put a frame on it. So I did. And that was the first one that sold to a, a stranger. Mm -hmm. But the other one that you mentioned was um, Jazzy Kisses. And that was the one that I painted of my daughter's horse giving me kisses. And that was one that really hit me, of yeah. course, because it was the horse always came and mm -hmm. gave me kisses and, and nickered and just was a love. And we had this horse for over 20 years. Wow. And uh, it was really my only horse, too. But it was my daughter's. That was <laughs> I rode while she was in school. She didn't even know I rode the horse. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. yeah, we had this bond. So Jazzy was giving me kisses. Mm -hmm. And actually, it was a self-portrait. I didn't realize I had done a self-portrait because that's me yeah. sideways. Right. And um, Was it from a photo or what? Yes, okay. it was from a photo. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I thought, oh, this is, this is one of my better ones, too. I think I'll put it in the New Hampshire Art Association so they can see what I can do, what you can do, what I can do. And I put a crazy price on it because it's really for my daughter and I don't want anyone to buy it. So I put a crazy price on it, yeah. really crazy price on it. <laughs> and then went off to vacation. And the next day I got a nice little phone call wow. saying, congratulations, your painting Jazzy Kiss is just sold. And I went, oh, what? Oh no. A man was very happy. He was buying it for his daughter wow. in the Hudson Valley. It was going to go to upstate New York. And wow. I thought, okay, someone else is going to love it too. And they must have a horse that looks like her. Yeah. Maybe so, the daughter has long, dark hair. I don't so know. This maybe ties in with the next question, which is um, what defines success for you as an artist? Is it that connection with the Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the reinforcement that will keep me going, knowing that there's a connection there. It can only be just one person yeah. that connects to it that actually wants to take it home with them and make yeah. it part of their lives. Yeah. And I know we have a spiritual connection somehow through mm -hmm. that painting. Mm -hmm. That's beyond explanation. Yeah. It yeah. really is. And so for me, that's the success of an artist. Although it won't stop me from painting what I love. Sure. Because maybe not in my lifetime, 
someone else will fall in love with a painting I've done. Yeah. And so the connection yeah. goes beyond generations as well. Yeah. And so I have to keep painting. If something hits me, there's someone else out there that it's going to hit too. Yeah, I, I always feel like that too. It's like, um, you know, almost raising a child and you send them out and you know they're going to find their mate. Yeah. <laughs> like you send out your painting and you know somewhere That's someone's right. going to find that same connection that you had when you were making it. Um, <clears throat> all right. How about negative thoughts? Do you ever get negative thoughts no. from, from yourself or from others? That, that well, maybe... that first grade teacher keeps coming back yeah. every so often. And I bet you'd love to send her a few, oh my gosh. A few paintings. <laughs> I'm a timid painter because of it. Yeah. I paint thinly. I, I'm never really sure. I'm really never sure. I can't just be bold and put the strokes on there because that voice is still there. You're never going to be an artist. Yeah. You made the wrong choices. And and art is a million choices when you're creating a painting. It's constant. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. exhausted after a day of painting because you've made so many decisions. Yeah. And so I have that unfortunate, it was that a formative year. Yeah, very. That voice is still back there. But I know I am an artist. Mm -hmm. I know I've overcome all of that. Yeah, yeah. But when I'm sitting there and I'm painting, mm -hmm. those decisions are not instantaneous. I second guess, second guess. I third guess, mm -hmm. and then I do it, and then I look at it, and I think, yeah, okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So you wrangled it. You wrangled all those voices. So where do you see your art in five years? What aspirations are you having? In five years, or more, we'll take or over more. the world. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have Do it. Series galleries everywhere, <laughs> um, <laughs> and that brings me to our worldwide series gallery workshops. Yeah, yeah. talk so about that. So that's really possible. Absolutely, it's Tell possible. Us about those. Um, so I yeah. had this brainstorm because I love to travel, and I have not traveled in a long time, and um, decided. The first one I wanted to do was in Scotland, in Inverary, because I saw uh, one of those documentaries on the public broadcasting station that said this wonderful duke in Scotland just inherited this uh, castle. Is this how this was This is was how hatched? it came about. I saw the documentary, and this wonderful young man with a family inherited a castle that needed a new roof and it needed new electricity and it needed new windows and it needed everything that any home would need after a long period of time and this castle is hundreds of years old and he just inherited it and needed all of this and he did not have funds they had dynastic uh, wealth wow. that's in the castle that's been there for hundreds of years mm -hmm. and the royals said well you'll just have to start selling some of the artwork or some of the antiques to get money to put the roof on and he said no not on my watch i this has all been here and raised by the campbell clan oh boy <laughs> over the years and it i'm not going to be the one to get rid of any pieces of it wow. lives were fought and lost yeah. you know wars were fought and lost and we can't get rid of any of it. So he had an idea. He decided that he was going to open the castle and have tea with the commoners. He didn't call them commoners, but the royals did. Yeah. They said, no, you cannot have the commoners in the castle. You cannot open the castle for commoners. And he said, well, I'm going to. It's my castle. I'm going to do it. And he decided to open a tea room. Mm. And he did. He invited people were coming from all over. And 
his wife, the, de uh, the Duchess, was in the back making the tea cakes, and he was out front handing uh, tea and scones to wait, people. Wait. She was really making. Them. She really was. <laughs> she. These two people wow. started it, and he said he had to get an apron and the apron said, yes, I really am the Duke because that was the number one question that was are asked you the butler or the Duke? over and over and over again. Are you really the Duke? Yes, I so, really am the Duke. So, okay, back up. So you see this and I you say, this. why said, don't we go paint over there? I did. I said, let's go help that Duke raise some money. So I looked oh, it up no. online and, and yes, we could go have tea there, but he also had a manor house to rent and other you know things that we could do to help so i thought let's rent the manor house so we so, rented Stranchira <laughs> on the castle grounds and i put it out there who wants to join me on this adventure and the first artist well actually anton was there and um chris volpe when i we were up at a workshop at mount washington i had seen this in the spring and we were there in the fall okay. i put it out there to a group of artists on who would be interested in doing a workshop over there and Chris Volpe said, I'll do it. Yeah. And then everybody sitting there in earshot said, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. I said, well, okay, I'm wow. going to put this out there. And this was the September before we opened the gallery. Yeah. So the gallery happened in October. Yeah. And that kind of got in my way of planning. But we planned it for the following oh. October. Yeah. And it filled right up. We had 17 people in our entourage. Amazing. We had 10 of them were artists. So seven people who were not artists came just for the fun of it. Sure. And we had a blast. Mm -hmm. And the accommodations <clears throat> were beautiful. This little tiny whitewashed village that's hundreds of years old on the lock, tidal lock, 70 miles from the ocean. But the tide came in, mm. the salmon came in, the salmon wow. were running. Um, and it's this little hamlet about 10 blocks long and two blocks up from the, the uh, lock, surrounded by the highlands, these mm. beautiful mountains. And it was just, so it was a fairy tale. I have to ask, what, what does your husband do with these crazy ideas? You come home and say, honey, I'm going to start a gallery. Honey, we're going to go to Scotland worldwide. What does he do? <laughs> I don't tell him. I just do what I want to do because he's so negative. He'd say, no, you can't. If I had said anything to him, we That's would not so have this cause, gallery Because you're one of you're probably the most positive person I know. And when you say that about <clears throat> poor Chet, I can't even imagine, but I, <laughs> I guess you balance each other off. Um, okay. So let's see in closing, um, actually, if you don't mind, tell us um, briefly what's coming up this year for your Scotland trip and who's, who's the teacher. So this October we have Dennis Sheehan leading us and he's very much a painter like Innes. And he loves the Glasgow boys. So we're going to spend some time in Glasgow together looking at the museums. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to head up to Inverary. We're going to probably stop at Stirling, where the Bridge of Allen is, where Innes, let me tell you, it does rain a lot in Scotland. And every single day it rained, but the sun did come out and we did see the sun mm -hmm. occasionally. And so Innes was in Stirling at Bridge of Allen, which is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old and he was standing on the bridge of Allen and the sun came out and he said that's so beautiful and he died Wait. right there on the bridge of Allen no way. because it was so beautiful so Chris Volpe had to go there so we did go there and that's we, what happens to we, people in Scotland. We each smuggled. They don't see the sun that often. And that was it. I can understand how it could cause a heart attack. When we were there, um, Chris and I each 
took a little sprig of ivy off of the bridge and smuggled it home as uh, pressed flowers. Mine is still living. His died instantly. <laughs> he took good care of we it. We won't go there. He planted it in a wonderful soil mm -hmm. and watered it and put it outside and it didn't like it. So mine is still sitting in a glass with water in it. Oh. It hasn't rooted. It hasn't done anything. Oh, it it still looks exactly the same, but it's alive. That's very weird. So will you be staying at the same place? Um, we will be staying at one of the places right on the water we'll be staying at. We've got a few more places that we haven't stayed at before that look absolutely lovely. And what we found is the area is very, very clean mm -hmm. and welcoming and uh, reasonably priced. You mm -hmm. think of things being way more expensive over in Scotland, reasonably priced. Mm -hmm. The food there was for a very nice dinner, around $20, $25 for drinks included in dessert, mm. where here it'd probably be $50 or more. Yeah. So Well, they have great croissants. Oh, my gosh. I had my first trip to Scotland and uh, England and Paris this year, so and fun. my best croissant was in Scotland. Yeah. Um, so tell the listeners, how long is the workshop? Where can they get information? Is there... Well, you can get information from the Dennis Sheehan um, website. Oh, it's on his website. It is on his website. Okay. Uh, you can contact me. And what, what is his site exactly? Uh, I think it's Dennis Sheehan Studios. Studios. Okay, and I'll, I'll post this on the, um, mm -hmm. the show notes on your page. So and you can, can also contact me through my email <laughs> and just put Scotland on the subject matter. And my okay. email is ekmiller seven zero at gmail.com and, and that'll Scotland. also be on the show notes on the right. website artist and so because this is so successful we've also got other workshops planned mm -hmm. we have a greece workshop <gasps> planned where we're going to be on board a boat and the boat is going to take us from island to island when? to island that and that will probably be in 2019 because i'm working on that now i'm not missing that one <laughs> and we have another one that we're going to do with florence and venice yeah and then we have another one that we want to do in Spain, Portugal and Spain, and base that with uh, Soroya. And he's another one of my favorite yes, artists. I love yeah. Soroya's work. Yeah, and maybe so someplace in Bavaria. Wow. Okay, so um, as I said, this will all be posted on your podcast page on the website, okay. Artists of New England, this information. <laughs> So thank you, Elaine, so much. This is great information. And if, if our listeners have not been to the series gallery in Portsmouth, please come in. Um, you'll find any one of us gallery sitting. So with that, I think we'll say goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank goodbye, you for Laura. Being on. Bye-bye. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. you got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush. <laughs>